Some years ago, I went to stay with a friend of mine, and a bunch of other folks decided that they would also go to his house and stay with him, so I, I was out in the cold, so he put me at his parents' house, and uh, I was in the basement of their house, which was this most magnificent, incredible place, one of the most beautiful places I'd ever been, and uh, everywhere, every square inch of every wall and some of the ceilings were filled with art, original art. Think of what, uh, what that represents. I mean, that's a Fort Knox kind of situation of, of art, original art everywhere. Every last inch was covered in art. And it was, it was almost, some of it was disturbing, but what was more disturbing was just the, the layer upon layer of original art just stacked absolutely everywhere. Now, the, the place was beautifully appointed. It wasn't like it was a normal basement. It was, this was a collection, and this was a display of, of art that, to me, captures a principle. You cannot buy fulfillment. You can't buy your way to fulfillment. Whether it's Imelda Marcos and her 4,000 shoes or or your, 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 uh, your friend's grandmother who has bins full of beanie babies, right? You cannot buy your way to fulfillment. You can't, you can't click your way to fulfillment. Now, I, I appreciate the fact that, uh, you know, with, uh, with three of ours in college, that uh, the, the ability to be in touch is, is so amazing. Uh, we have a group text going, and we've got uh, Instagram, an Instagram account that's mainly dedicated to, to sharing what's going on. Uh, we have a, 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 actually Snapchat, which I called uh, Chapstick for a long period of time. I just <laughs> couldn't quite get it out. And, um, but... And it's amazing, and I really appreciate, I appreciate it. I appreciate fine art. I appreciate, and if I were, uh, if I had different priorities besides educating these children, I would probably be supporting local artists and, 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 and buying original art. I would love to have a collection. So I don't, I don't have anything against having a collection of art like that. But you can't buy your way. I don't have anything against... Uh, uh, social media and, and being able to be in touch and, uh, and the benefits of that. But have you ever found yourself scrolling and scrolling and posting and posting and posting? As if somehow you could click your way to fulfillment. Please, somebody like the picture of my breakfast. Somebody out there. <laughs> Last time I posted my breakfast, there were like two dozen, and now there are only three. I'm so, so disappointed. You can't click your way to fulfillment. You can't achieve your way to fulfillment. Now, I, I love, I love to, to, to climb in the mountains. I love the idea of climbing 14ers. You know what that is? That's, that's the, you know, all of the, the mountains out west, and there is a, there, there are club after club after club of 14ers 14er clubs where people, uh, their goal is to climb every 14,000-foot mountain out there. And I, I think that's fantastic. And, and in fact, every time that I've climbed a mountain that also has 
a road going up it. It's not like you get to the top and you see and you see that beautiful panorama and, um, and you look and you see the other people coming up, uh, driving up. It's not like I've ever said to myself, uh, gosh, I wish I had driven up here, you know? Because there's a certain, there's a certain euphoria that comes from achieving the, the mountain. And when you earn it, and you look out, there's a, there's a different fulfillment that comes from seeing it. But you can't climb every 14er to the kind of fulfillment that you're about to hear about from Luke chapter 10. You can't click your way to fulfillment. You can't buy your way to fulfillment. You can't achieve your way to fulfillment. We try and we try and we try. And these things are good. So what I'm trying to say is that, they're, that these, these things that we love, the things that we buy, the things that we achieve, the things that we share, these are good things. But when, as, as, as uh, somebody said, when they, are, when they replace the thing itself, they will break the hearts of their worshipers. Because we put on our stuff and on our achievement and on our consumer goods, we, we put on it that which they cannot give to us. You can't buy your way, click your way, achieve your way to fulfillment, but we try and we try and we try. So how do we find this fulfillment? This series has been about, has been about uh, filling your cup, five cups and, and under it and through it, the whole thread has been being filled and filled and filled again. How do you find fulfillment? And the answer is passion. Now, passion is a word that's used in a lot of different ways. But this morning, the passion that I believe that God puts within each one of us is a way to help us find drive, motivation, focus on the things that he has called us to do. So Ephesians 2.10, it says, you know, we've been created for a particular purpose, that he has ordained certain things for us to do in advance. How does he draw us towards those things? How does he help us bear down on these things? How does he help us get a bead on what we're called to do? And the answer is passion. And that's the very thing, the, the passion to be involved where God's already involved and already calling us. To look around the world, see what God is doing and plug in where he has called you. Apart from that, there is no fulfillment. It's passion. And so this morning, we're going to consider the person and the place and the thing of passion as we turn to God's word from Luke chapter 10. I'm going to be reading from the English standard version. Reading through verse 20. Hear God's word this morning. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. So significant that he did that. So significant. 
And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon, rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from this house, from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick and, and uh, in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. Heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom has come near but whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you, hears me, he's saying to his 72. The one who hears you, hears me. And the one who rejects you, rejects me. And the one who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. May God bless us today through this His holy word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, bless us now to receive your word, not only into our minds, to change our ideas, but into our hearts, to receive them fully and well to lead changed lives, and to demonstrate that change through our hands. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm, I understand uh, through research that uh, most people, most people, if a website doesn't load in three seconds, they will click away, Right? You ever seen that wheel of death, right? You get there and it's just it's spinning, spinning, spinning. And you're waiting, waiting, waiting. And it's only been about two seconds. And you're so frustrated with this website, you know? It's been two seconds. I can't believe that this thing won't load. We are training ourselves for instant gratification every day. We have the expectations 
that, that things can be fixed immediately and that there's a certain standard of immediacy that if, if it doesn't happen right away, what is wrong? What's the matter here? And here we see Jesus is using a metaphor of the harvest. Again and again, he uses the, the illustrations of the agrarian, the agrarian culture around him. And he's saying, there is, there's a harvest out there. And with, with patience and with presence, if you're present there, if you're proximate to it, if you engage in the world around you, you can see the fruit of it. You can be a, a seed planter. You can be a seed sower, nurturer, and you can also be somebody who, who sees the fruit. And in so doing, you and I find fulfillment. But that doesn't mean that the world of need out there uh, and the world of opportunities should confuse us, that, that we just have to be involved in everything and give to everything. I, I feel the same pinch, you know. Beth and I decide this is what we're giving, and we give, and sometimes we're asked for other things, and we do give to other things sometimes. But, but when you're asked over and over and over again, you want to be able to say, here's my passion. This is what I'm for. I'm giving 10% of, of what I have, and I feel good about what I'm giving because it lines up with what I'm called to be about. And see, if we're going to understand passion, we have to understand the person, the place, and the thing of that noun. Passion, passion is the drive, the internal motivation to be plugged in where God is already at work. To look around the world, see what he's doing, and get involved in the place you're called. That's passion. You can have passion about all kinds of things. But the passion, biblical passion, God-given passion, that drives us into our call is to be involved where God has given you a motivation. So the first thing is person. Person, place, and thing. Quickly. Person. People matter. If you're going to understand your passion, you have to understand that people matter to God. And so your fulfillment is wrapped up in the people that you're called to engage. In other words, if, if, you, if you have a, a, a God-given gift, you're probably, you probably have also been given a commensurate, God-given passion for people that God has placed in your life. This is how I like to say it, not by accident. And until you engage them, until you engage them, you will not be fulfilled in your life. You won't be fulfilled. You can buy it. You can click it. You can scroll it. You will not, even through all of your achievements, find the level of fulfillment that you can find by being plugged in to your passion, called to the people that are in your life, not by accident. Jesus sent his 72 ahead of him because he's somebody who is so brilliant, he wanted to begin with the end in mind. And what was the end that he had in mind? The end is that he's going to leave and he's going to leave his gospel message to other people so that they can take that message and their experience of the freedom of grace into the lives of other people. This, this is central 
to what it means to be a Christian. You see, Jesus didn't wait until they were fully trained. He didn't wait until they had been to seminary. He didn't wait. And these things are good. You know, you've just called a new, a new man who has been to seminary. That's a very good thing to be trained and to have a, a particular calling. But you also have a calling. And Jesus wasn't waiting for people to have that level of training to be able to engage. He said, look, just go ahead of me. Go ahead and bring a good word. Go and, and stay wherever people welcome you. And if they don't welcome you, don't, don't spend a lot of time you know, whining about it. Don't, don't wring your hands, shake the dust off your feet, move on. Plug in where people will receive you. Go where the openings are because that's where you're called. People matter to God. God so loved the world. We think the world, we picture the globe, right? No, that's not, that's not the idea. The idea is, the, the original word is cosmos. God so loved the cosmos, cosmopolitan. We get our word cosmopolitan. God loves the, the ultimate creation, and his ultimate creation is human community. God so loved what he had made, the people he had made. They matter to him. You're called to engage those people. Barna did a study just six months ago. Uh, Barna is a Christian uh, researcher. He did a study of uh, over a thousand churchgoers. Now, don't let that slip. Churchgoers. Look at this pie chart. Fifty-one percent said they had never heard of the Great Commission. Churchgoers. Five percent. Six percent say they're not sure. Whatever percent that is, I can't see what that percent is because, yes, I admit, I need glasses, but I don't wear them. Uh, yeah, I can recall, can't recall the exact meaning. What is the Great Commission? If I were to tell you, okay, well, let's just do this. Let's do our own survey. Raise your hand if you don't know what the Great Commission uh, is. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. We don't, we don't do that around here. But if I were to hand out a, a card and you were to write down, here's what the Great Commission is, could you say it, it's, it's Matthew 28, 19 through 20? Could, could, you, could you say that this is where Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all I have commanded, commanded you. And surely I will be with you to the end of the age. That's the Great Commission. It's to take your experience, the freedom that you've experienced because of the grace of God, the central doctrinal beauty of Christianity, the experience, the freedom of grace, and to share that with the world. Yeah, this is exactly what Billy Graham was doing, and I, I know we, you know, it's easy to sort of you know, hold up Billy Graham as, as sort of an example, but, but this isn't so much about Billy Graham, but about the way that Billy Graham functioned that's similar to uh, Luke 10. Jesus said, go out two by two and go ahead of me. You know what, what was uh, actually absolutely instrumental in Billy Graham's success and the success of his crusades are not his sermons, and it's not Billy. Billy knew that he had a certain celebrity and a certain draw, but he was, a, he was one guy, one person. 
And so what he would do is, before he would go to a town, he would go and meet with all the, the church leaders of that town. He would say, would you all like for me to come? Because if I come, then we can gather people in a room and I'll present the gospel to them. But it, it doesn't mean anything if there's no follow-up. And so will, will you all partner with me? And so his organization, his strategy, his approach was to send people ahead of him, even, even in as much as Jesus has sent people ahead, to be ready that, that when, when there is a harvest, when people come to Christ, when people make professions of faith, when people finally say, aha, this is what life is all about, this is what I'm here for, that there will be somebody there who will follow up with them and nurture that. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You see, our passion has to do with the people that matter. Not the great crowds that matter. The people, the each individual who comes. Second, you and I are not going to find our greatest fulfillment apart from our passion until we understand place. Not just people, but place. Place matters. Place matters. Look at verse 9. It says this. Heal the sick and in it say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. The kingdom of God. Sometimes we fragment uh, our idea of what the gospel message is, of what the gospel of grace is. We think uh, that mission is over here and evangelism is over there. We think discipleship happens at 10 o'clock, and as soon as 10 o'clock is over, discipleship is over, y'all. We're done. Done discipleship. Now we're going into what? Fellowship. We're going to do fellowship. Bring out the cucumber sandwiches, people. It's time for some fellowship, right? I was joking about that last week. And we, we carve life into these little things, but Jesus is saying this. Look, he's saying, heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God is has come before you. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, have a holistic idea of, of, all, of your, all of your life. Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Colossians 3, 20. So everything that we do in his name, Everything that we do has a message to it, can have a message. And the message is that God loves this world. He loves the world that we inhabit. He loves the people in this world. And it, he hasn't brought his message so that you can say, okay, here's the deal. I've got to get into heaven. I'm going to make this, this prayer done. All right, now, what else am I going to do with my life? That, that is what unfortunately, Christianity has been reduced to in a lot of people's minds and in some churches and in America in general. It's as if that what the message is about is getting into heaven. But what Jesus is saying is he's trying to get the kingdom into you. He's trying to get heaven into you. And, and he is going to be renewing all things, all things. I quoted uh, Abraham Kuyper some months ago that there's not one inch of all creation over which God, who is sovereign, does not claim mine. In other words, everything belongs to him. And so if something is out of order, you may be called to set it in order, whether it's cancer research or whether it's building a well, a cistern in the Yucatan or whether it's going with Marian Medical Mission. I think that's one of the reasons why uh, Marian Medical Mission and, 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 uh, and the Yucatan projects have captured our imagination so much is that, that it's so obviously tied. The cup of cold water and the word of truth are so obviously 
linked together. Jesus calls himself living water, right? And so as much as I appreciate Bill Bright who, who penned the four spiritual laws, who took uh, several uh, scriptures and said, this is what the message is all about, the, the, the platform or the lifestyle of sharing the gospel is so much bigger than just understanding four principles of Christianity. It's building a well. It's befriending people who don't look and smell and act like you cross-culturally, whether it's around the corner or around the world. God loved this world. Imagine somebody, let me, let me, let me put a little finer point on it. Imagine somebody uh, getting married and they say, they say uh, you know, um, honey, I've got something every night. I've, I've planned my, uh, my, my uh, week out and I've got something every, every night. Um, and so if you want to get on my calendar, right? I know we just got married, but if you want to get on my calendar, it's going to take about three months from now, okay? It's going to take about three months. And, uh, and I can work you in on Thursday three months from now, okay? I can work you in. It's kind of like that, that little joke. Um, uh, the, the, the woman says to her husband, you never tell me you love me. And he said, I told you I loved you the day we were married. If that ever changes, I'll let you know, right? Is that a marriage? Is that the kind of marriage that you would, uh, you would want for somebody else or for yourself? Absolutely not. See, when, when you get married, when you make that commitment, everything gets rearranged and reordered. Everything gets rearranged and reordered. That commitment, that covenant begins to define the order of your life and the priorities of your life. You see, what Jesus is saying is, go and demonstrate the love of God in practical ways, telling them that the reordering of the world has begun and you're a part of it. And until you find where you can plug into that reordering, then you're not gonna find the fulfillment that you could have. And finally this, thing, thing matters. Person, place, thing. What thing? The main thing. What John Wooden say? The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. What's the main thing? It's the love of God. It's to know the love of God and to share it. That's the main thing. You know, the latest, the latest um, detractor from the faith and from the church, his name is Sam Harris. And Sam Harris, like Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens and a bunch of other atheists that have come before him, um, they, they are, they're, they're selling an old saw, okay? They're, they're selling a used car, yeah, it, it, the, the, the complaint is that we can't see and touch and taste and smell and feel. Transcendence. Well, duh. Okay, I'm sorry. That's, it, it, there's no promise that says that epistemologically, okay, that empirically, uh, empirically is to the things that, measure, that you can measure, that, that, that somehow God is going to create something and then he's going to squeeze himself into that something. Oh, unless you count what happened in the incarnation. That Jesus left transcendent heaven, left the glory of heaven and put on flesh. And by faith, you can, you can receive the message that that sends, the message that transcends time and place, the message that transcends all of our senses, the message that you matter. You matter to God. 
You see, Sam Harris, when I watch him talk, when I watch some of his lectures, he, he talks about the fact that there is no transcendent meaning beyond this place. Anything that we can measure, there's nothing there, that there's nothing meaningful. And, and, there, and, and what's so amazing to me is the living contradiction. He stands up there with his message, and guess what, people? <laughs> he wants to be understood as meaningful. Think about that for a minute. His message that there is no meaning rests upon the presumption that there is meaning. He wants to connect with people. He wants people to receive it. He wants, he wants to be understood as coherent in the ways that he's saying. And, and it's such an incredible contradiction. It's so brutally ridiculous. You know, and... Lewis puts it this way, it's a failure of our imagination. Uh, there, there's, this, uh, there's, there's this guy named uh, Dwayne Buell who is, is famous for not saying something. He didn't actually say this, but in 1899, he said, everything that has been invented, uh, is, it's the end of, of, of our inventing era, right? Anything that's going to be invented has already been invented. You see, it's the most ridiculous thing to put those words in someone's mouth at the beginning of the 20th century when, when technology and industry just went straight up and so many things have been invented. The failure of imagination will keep you stuck right where you are. Ah, that's exactly, that's exactly what Jesus is driving at here. He's saying, look, don't, don't be so impressed that you're getting a response, that there's something bigger than you can measure. Use your imagination, people. Look what you can do with the dust of this earth. Imagine what you can do with the kingdom of God that's drawing near. Robert Jastrow said this, and then we'll close here. At this very moment, it seems as though science will never be able to raise the curtain on the mystery of creation. For the scientist who has lived by his faith in the power of reason, the story ends like a bad dream. He's scaled the mountain of ignorance. He's about to conquer the highest peak. As he pulls himself over the final rock, he's greeted by a band of theologians who've been sitting there for centuries. Let's pray together. Holy God, how we thank you that you've involved us in what you're doing. Help us to see the people around us, not, they're not by accident. Help us, God. Help us, God, to see the, the skills you've given us may be the very thing that make this world better and reflect your glory even more. Help us, oh God, to keep the main thing the main thing, to know you and to make you known. In Jesus' name, amen.